Welcome to the C3 SYD podcast. Our heart for you is that you would know Jesus, find community and discover purpose. To find out more about our church, head to our website, c3syd.church. We hope that this message encourages you today. Uh, it's such an absolute honour to be here this morning. And um, how are you loving this campaign? This changes everything. I think sometimes when we get close to Easter, it's like, oh, here we go. You know, we're going to talk about the bad movies, Jesus with the bad hairdo that comes every Sunday and, you know, all the movies about Jesus. And we can kind of get a little bit desensitised to it as Christians. Do you feel that sometimes? It's like, here we go. We're going to... But this morning, we're going to have a look at the cross again. And it's not for your condemnation, but for His glorification. It's not so that you feel condemned and all woe is me, but that He be glorified afresh this morning, that He be high and lifted up, that we are so grateful for what He did, that we are so grateful that we can celebrate Easter, although I do love hot cross buns. (laughs) And um, those, I have to say, they came out super early. Anyone else? I was like, Christmas, hot cross buns. I was like, that's a bit early, although I did have them in January. Anyone else? Confession time. Yes, I did have my hot cross buns. And then I was like, oh, how bad do I feel? It's not even Easter and I'm celebrating. But this campaign is all about that this changes everything. And if you were to stop and just think about what did Jesus change in your life? Just one point. What did He change? He gave you freedom. He gave you eternal life. He gave you hope. He gave you the ability to have peace. As I was, I'm loving doing these campaigns because I get to study for four hours and then preach it and I feel like I'm learning so much more. And as we're going through this campaign, this week is about His righteousness changes everything. What does His righteousness mean? We're gonna go through that. But let me tell you a quick story. It was Easter when I was 16 and I won't tell you what year that was and I won't tell you how many years ago because I know we all calculate it. Um, Especially when a presence conference, we're like, you know, 20 years ago when I was this and I'm like, oh, wow, she looks good. Uh, (laughs) So I'm not even gonna let you know that. But when I was 16, I was um, about to go out on Easter Sunday and I just flicked on the television because I was getting dressed. And as you do as a 16 year old, the television always has to be on. And I flicked on the TV and it was a Jesus movie. And I remember just feeling and having this thought in my head, oh, not again, another Jesus movie. And then I just kind of got arrested by God, if I could say, just kind of prompted by God. Did you just say not another Jesus movie? And you almost want to go, no, but he knows everything. And I sat on the lounge in front of the television and he just took me through what I have because of this movie. Because of what you are watching, because of what Jesus did, Katie, you have freedom. Because of what he did, you have eternal life. And he kind of took me on this 10 minutes where I'm weeping, 16 again, weeping because of what he did. I am able to be saved because of what he did. And this morning we're gonna have a bit of a because of what he did remembrance moment, is that okay? Where we go back through and remember what he has done. Because let me tell you, what he did changed everything so much that it changed time itself. This is not an insignificant moment on the cross. And this is why I'm stuck in studying the historical context of the cross, because that moment changed everything. Okay, can I get a little bit teacherish? Is that okay? You have to say yes, because I have the mic. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through this screen and I'm hoping it's available this time. 
It is awesome. Great, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna flick through and what this is is a quick presentation of the gospel from a geeky teacher. Are you ready? Geeky teachers in the house love PowerPoints. Um, So when we go through this, I want you to remember what we were, what we have, and what we are stepping into. Why? Because if you remember what you were, you'll be grateful that you're no longer there. If you remember what you have, you will apply what you have. But if you remain in what you have and you don't go to the resurrection of where we are supposed to be, you're not fulfilling the fullness of Christianity. Do you know what I mean? So I'm gonna have a chat to you about, are you stuck at the cross? Are you stuck in just being saved from sin, but not actually alive in Christ? Are you stuck at dead, I'm dead to sin, I know I'm dead to sin and I'm wrestling with this and I'm wrestling with this. You're so focused on being dead to sin, but you've got to get into the step of being alive in Christ. So we're going to have a chat about that. Jump forward, guys. So what happened in the fall? And your list, separated from God, that moment. I said it in the first service, we are all going to have a line where we get to address Adam. And we will get to go up and say, what the heck, mate, it was only a fruit. Um, (laughs) We get to address him and say, what? Because one man, one representative, and this is what happened. Separated from God. We were separated. In In the garden, we were able to have complete communion with Father God. And we were separated. Under the power of death, we became sinners. Flesh, anyone else? Flesh was overcoming us. We have curse of the law and contempt. That's a bad state to be in, isn't it? And praise Jesus, we don't remain there. Let's go to the cross. The cross is this, and it it goes across. Literally, that was a pun. Mark Kelsey would be so proud of that. I should tape that. He would be so proud of that one. Jump, keep going. What do we happen at the cross? Initiated by God. Can I say that the cross wasn't initiated by your works? He didn't look down and go, oh, they are good enough at this point. I'm going to jump in. No, he already had the plan before you started working hard at it anyway. You already had this plan. So we are separated from God. In the cross, we get right standing with God. And you went through that last week, didn't you? Reconciliation. Under the power of death, took the keys of sin and death. We were a sinner. We are declared um, dead to sin. Flesh is crucified. Anyone saying amen to that? This morning when I did not want to get out of bed and I wanted to stay in bed, I had to crucify my flesh and get in the car and drive to church. You did that this morning. Oh, it's gone. No? Okay, we'll keep going. Basically, there is a, oh, good job. Declared us right. So we are condemned and we're declared right. All right. But as I'm saying this morning, you could stay there. I could stay here. I'm in right standing with God. I'm declared I'm dead to sin, I'm, my flesh is crucified and I could do nothing about the community around me. I could stay in church, happy, going to heaven, but he died and rose again so that you would be vessels of what he did. He doesn't want you to stay at the cross, he wants you to do something with us. And are you ready? This is what he does, the resurrection. Our right standing with God, we become, this is like a bit like bingo. Do you feel like it's a bit like bingo? Um, ministers of reconciliation. You would have learnt that last week. He reconciled us to God so that we could reconcile others to God and to us and in relationship. We are ministers of reconciliation. We have eternal life. We are alive in Christ. We are empowered by the Spirit. We are under grace. And this last one who's cut off here, we are instruments of righteousness. So this is what this series is all about. You get it? So we're gonna focus on this last one here. You are condemned. Oh, go back for me. Declared righteous and an instrument of righteousness. Jump into your Bibles, guys. 
Have a look at Deuteronomy 32.4. And let me have a chat to you about righteousness. Do you know as Christians, sometimes we, we, we use jargon. Has anyone noticed that when you first got saved? I remember someone, I think I've said this here. Someone came up to me and said, oh, the blood of Jesus washes you. And I said, say that again. <laughs> oh, the blood of, the person praying over me. I'm like brand new, never been in church. I went to Sunday school. Oh, the blood of Jesus is washing you. And I was like, I didn't hear a word that person said, I'll be honest. I was like, I don't want blood. Oh, what are we doing? I know. I, I didn't understand what they were talking about. We have this jargon sometimes, and sometimes righteousness and the understanding of righteousness, I wanna go a little bit deeper into that, let's have a look. Because our God is holy and righteous, He is just. Most people take it as righteousness or right standing with God, I'm gonna go a little bit further. It actually means to be morally upright, to be perfect, to be just, to be faithful. Your God is morally upright, perfect, just and faithful. And I don't care what your brain tells you, to the opposite of that. Sometimes you'll be like, God's not faithful. No, 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 your God is faithful. Sometimes, oh, God's not just. Yes, He is just. Just because your evidence and your circumstances tell you different doesn't mean your God has changed. You've got to know that your God is justice, mercy, faithfulness. In Deuteronomy, it says this, 32.4, He is the rock, His works are perfect, and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. This is, the, this is the imagery of righteousness. Psalm 145, 17 says this, the Lord is righteous in all His ways, faithful in all He does. I'm preaching at someone this morning. Your God is faithful in all He does. Again, I know sometimes it doesn't look like it. Sometimes in our humanity, we're like, this does not make sense. Go to the Scriptures, go to the Word of God over your emotions and say, Psalm 145 tells me He is faithful in all He does. But what happened at the fall? We were separated. We were separated from this amazing, faithful God. And what did they have to do? They had to put Him in a box called the temple. Why? Because our sin couldn't be near this beautiful, holy God. Has anyone been to Jerusalem? When you go to Jerusalem, Emma studied in Jerusalem. I'm so jealous for a whole year, want to talk to Jerusalem? Talk to that girl. She took my class once and they were like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, no, do not leave to study in Jerusalem. <laughs> They're like, but she studied in Jerusalem for a whole year. But when you go to Jerusalem, you've got people at a wailing wall waiting to get close to God who's still in a box for them. Heartbreaking moment at the wailing wall. And I was like, I wanted to tap the person next to me and say, he's out. That is what we have as Christians, this beautiful, we, we have this beautiful relationship. Isaiah 64, six says this, lots of scriptures. All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. That's pretty bad, isn't it? That's where we were in the fall. And God looked down and said, you know what? I need to do something about this. God looked down and saw you and said, I, need, I wanna have a relationship. I need to do something about this. And what he did was one, he set up this Old Testament system of sacrifice. And even Jesus said, this isn't gonna work, but let's have a look. The law of Old Testament provided a way of dealing with our condemnation through a sacrifice of atonement. The high priest would offer an animal sacrifice. The blood that would drip down the altar from the mercy seat represented a covering of people's sins. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that I don't need to bring a cow to church. 
I'm so grateful. Every time I read the Old Testament, I'm like, not even a pigeon, Lord. I couldn't even do the pigeon. Even if that's the one thing you are grateful for Jesus this morning, be grateful that you didn't have to bring Bessie in here. And I'm grateful as the the priest that I didn't have to kill poor Bessie. But that's the reality of the life we were prior to Christ. Think about that. Just because you're 2,000 years separated from it doesn't mean that it's not fact and real back then. Just because we are 2,000 years away from it, we don't get so ungrateful. We don't realise that that's what we would have had had he not died on that cross. Why? Because we couldn't be in relationship with a righteous God without some sort of blood covering. Do you remember in the Exodus account where they took the blood of the lamb and they just covered it on the doorpost and it was just a covering? And even Jesus said, that is not gonna work. Let's have a look in Matthew 1. He says, even talking about righteousness, for I tell you, sorry, 5.20, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me talk to you about that. What he's saying is this. He's saying, you can't do this on your own. Even if you were as holy as the Pharisees, even if you did every law and ticker box and everything, you cannot do this on your own. And some of you, you need a revelation this morning that you cannot do this on your own. As I was praying over this message and as I was going through the cross again, God convicted me. Isn't that awesome? When your preacher gets convicted from your own message. I was going through my message and he said, Katie, you can't preach that section just yet. I said, why? And he said, because you are in works. You are doing this. You don't realise that you are doing this in works. And I was like, what am I doing in works? He said, you don't believe that I will protect you, take care of you, your finances. I ended up on my knees as I'm looking at this, realising that even sometimes I go to works and not Jesus. Even with my finances, my mortgage, even sometimes I go to brain power, not Jesus and Holy Spirit power. Even sometimes in my my Christianity, I'm trying to work to be good enough for God and God's like, you are good enough for me right now. And I had this revelation, I looked at this and Jesus is saying, even the Pharisees didn't get that all they needed was God. Can I say to you this morning, whatever you are fighting at, whatever you are working for, maybe you've come into this church and you're looking at me like this chick's crazy and you know, she doesn't know me or there is nothing that you can do that can stop the love of God. He adores you right now. He adores you and there's nothing that you can work at in this Christianity. So let's jump forward. That's where we were. Are you ready for what we have? Let's go. Do you feel like you need God this morning? You're in a bad state. We needed someone to step in. One righteous act to reverse the one unrighteous act of the fall. I'm gonna jump forward, guys, to Romans 5.18. I love this. Consequently, just as one trespass, sin, resulted in condemnation for all people. So just because Adam, one sin, we all got condemned. Thank you, Adam. But there was gonna be another one. There was gonna be another human that came as a representative for all humanity and he was going to do it perfectly. And it says this, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Romans 5, 18 to 19, the Message Bible says this. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did it wrong and got us all in this trouble with sin and death, another person did it right and got us all out of it. 
But more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. That is your Jesus, a second Adam, a representative or a final Adam, not a second Adam, a final Adam, a representative that put everything right. Aren't you grateful that he took an exam for you, got 100% and gave you the result? I kind of wish someone did that for me in my master's. Emma, you take my exams. As long as you know, you get much higher. (laughs) But that's what happened. He took your moral, faithful, integrity exam got 100% and handed you the result. You have that, but what are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? You have that 100%. Can I say, is your mind still stuck in the fall? Do you believe that you have complete freedom from sin? Do you believe that you have absolute righteousness and the ability to be right? What does that mean? To be just, to be fair, to be faithful in every situation. Do you feel like the cross empowered you to do that or are you still in the mindset that you you don't have that? And he's given you this incredible moment. Um, Let's have a look at Hebrews 9, 13 to 14. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more? then will the blood of Christ. I'm gonna stop there for a moment. The blood of Christ. He didn't just live life, he gave his life. Would you be willing to do that? If God said to you, give up your life, would you be willing to not just live a perfect life, but actually give it up? Would you be willing up to give up your time maybe to do a connect group or give up your time? How sacred are we with this time and he wasn't sacred with his very own life? I remember I said to him once, God, I don't have time to do that. And then I thought, oh, hang on a second. You actually gave up everything for me. Let's keep going. Who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. He's the sacrificial lamb without blemish. Cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Can you feel in this, this um, scripture, he's saying there's a reason that you have been cleared. There is a we- reason that you've been washed. Why? To do something with it. And I know that I'm condemning and I know that I feel a little bit like I'm harping on this, but guys, we've got to get busy. I don't know about you, but 2020 shocked me into going church, get busy. Anyone else? It was like, oh my gosh, we have so much to do. I spoke to a lady the other day and um, it was a shock phone call, so it was a bit weird. And my mum, I answered the phone, it was my dad and he said, oh, you've got to talk to Emily. And I was like, who the heck is Emily? (laughs) And I'm like, hi, Emily. And she's like, oh my gosh, do you remember me when you were young? I'm like, yes. No. Oh, you used to play with, does anyone have that moment where somebody remembers you and you have no idea? I said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm really good. Five minutes of just the fluffiest conversation. I had no idea who she was. I get off the phone and dad texts me and he's like, thank you so much. She has two weeks to live. She has cancer. And I got on my knees and said, let me do that again. I didn't get it. I, I missed it. Let me do it again, God. I had an opportunity. 
And I said to mum and dad, I'm going to see them today. I want to go, I want to go again. How many opportunities do we miss because we're just in this little bubble? I missed it. I'm telling you, I'm repenting before you. I missed it. She has two weeks to live and she doesn't know Christ. And I said to my sister after, I said, she doesn't know Christ and she has two weeks to live. Why didn't dad just kind of drop that hint before he got me on the phone? Sometimes you won't get that moment again. Sometimes God's asking you to do things as a minister. He's gone. He's, he's not gone in the sense of he's alive and active, but he went, tag, you're it. I gave you the cross. I gave you your freedom. I gave you everything. Now I'm going, tag, you're it. And I missed the tag, you're it moment with this lady and I'm gonna get it back, I promise you, church. Because I was thinking about how weird the conversation was and I was wigging out. But don't miss your tag, you're it moment because you, you're stuck here. So let's have a look. What do we do with this now we have it? Number one, we are given eternal life. That is the greatest gift. It says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I cannot wait to live forever with you guys. What are we gonna do? We're not gonna be in a worship service our whole time. We're gonna be fellowshipping. It's gonna be so much fun. Are you excited? To, you're probably not excited to spend eternity with me, but I'm excited to spend eternity with you. There'll be no barriers. There'll be no race. There'll be there's this beautiful mix of heaven partying with Jesus. No weight watchers, no dieting. Thank you, Lord. Food will be redeemed. Anyone say amen. I cannot wait to eat an Easter egg and not feel guilty. Thank you, Lord. There is no condemnation in heaven. I will be eating this beautiful moment. And that's what we, we are given. Secondly, we are made righteous in the sight of God. You know, you can come into church this morning and He doesn't condemn you. You can come into church this morning and He's not looking down, smite me, almighty smiter. Evan Almighty is wrong. It's Bruce, isn't it? Sorry, for those who know that. It's Bruce Almighty, he's wrong. He's not a mean God with a magnifying glass looking at you right now saying, I can see all your sin. Do you know what He can see? Your 100% exam. Stop reminding Him about the rest. In your prayer life, I'm praying and praying and I'm, oh God, I can't do this, I can't. He doesn't see that. Stop reminding him of your failures and step into what he has given you. 100% freedom, peace. Some of us are still stuck at the, in the fall going, I don't have this in our brains and we've got to step into being empowered and doing all that Christ has for us and done for us. So we are righteous. Let me read this to you because as I was reading this, I loved it. He was made sin, we are made righteous. On the cross, Jesus was treated as if he were a sinner. Though he was perfectly holy and pure, and we are treated as if we were righteous. Though we're defiled, he swapped lives with us. Can you feel that this morning? He said, you know what, I don't want you to suffer that. You know what, I don't want you to suffer that death. You know what, I'm swapping lives with you this morning. And sometimes we're still living that life and we forget to fully exchange. He swapped. Let me go here. On account of what the Lord Jesus has endured on our behalf, we are treated as though we entirely fulfilled the whole law. And the third thing, to be instruments of righteousness. There is something that He wants you to do with this. Romans 6.13 says this. 
Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. What's an instrument? If we were having a student class, what's an instrument? Something to be used. Like tongs is an instrument. You are Eve, Eve, isn't it? Evangeline. Is that how I say it? I love being on stage and trying to figure out someone's name. Sorry, gorgeous girl. You are an instrument of God's righteousness. What does that mean? When you walk into a situation, you bring justice. You bring mercy. You bring fairness. You bring all the traits of what, what is a righteous God. When you walk into a situation, you are the vessel that needs to speak on His behalf. Church, that's us. We are the vessels that need to speak on God's behalf and say, you know what, I'm going to be fair even everyone else is going to be corrupt. I'm going to have morality even when the world is going crazy. I talked to a teenager the other day, in church teenager. I was blushing by the end. I know I'm old. (laughs) But I was like, what happened to morality? Church, we need to raise our voice and say we are instruments of God's righteousness. And we are not instruments of His judgment. We are instruments of His love. We are instruments of His grace. I don't know when the church became the instrument of God's judgment. Instrument of hatred. Sometimes I I get it why Christian people don't want to be Christians because I don't want to be involved in that. But my God is love. I can walk into a situation and I can be a vessel of love to that situation. I can walk into my family. My family are amazingly crazy. Anyone else? You've got to have a few nuts to keep in my family. Crazy, but I absolutely adore coming in and saying, hey, let's be an instrument of love in this situation. This morning, I hope you see that don't remain in the fall. Even with your brain, come in and be an instrument because God needs you as an instrument on this earth. Thanks for listening to the C3SYD podcast. If you want to find out more about following Jesus, get connected or find a C3SYD location near you, head to c3syd.church forward slash connect with us. To make sure you don't miss out on our next podcast, click subscribe. We look forward to having you back soon.